Welcome to the Cricket's Sidecar, where we go a little further into a story of note with the person who wrote it. All right. Well, here we are again. I am Chris McGinn, the Features Editor here at the Manchester Cricket. And once again, as we do every week, I am here with Erica Brown, our editor and Drum all... Roll, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Look a... at us. Erica Brown, the editor of the Erica Manchester Brown, Cricket. the editor of the Manchester Cricket. And we are on a roll. This is it. We've been consistent. Which is something it. we do, you know, it actually struggle feels with sometimes. very, very good. Yeah, it does. This is good. So here we are again. We are talking about this week's paper, and I was away a little bit, so I actually have a few questions. It's not like I haven't seen it, but um, I'm not. So as I'm going to be on familiar. the receiving end. So you yes. is, that, is so, that what you're saying? So I'll be asking the questions, Erica. <laughs> so, so nice turkeys. Front page picture is uh, what is it? A, what's a group of turkeys a called? A gaggle again? of turkeys. Is it a gaggle? That, oh, a gaggle, well, it's a gaggle of geese. Of geese. Uh, whatever. It's a same thing. A group. Um, <laughs> a group. It's a turkle of turkeys. And it was, it, you know, it was, yeah, it was a, a group of turkeys. It, it, as a matter of fact, I think there are a dozen or so in the picture, but that doesn't show the dozen or so more that were off frame at Masconomo Park early in the morning last Wednesday. <laughs> it was crazy. It's a very, very, mi- it was, you know, kind of whiplash. It right. Went from, it went from the weather being negative, right. negative 10 oh, yeah. degrees without the wind chill factor right. on Saturday. And by Tuesday, it was like 50. No, it was it was ridiculous. It, I was actually on that in New Hampshire, and it was like yeah, it was 50. like I think within the head control. in the in the title we called it ricochet, and then <laughs> you know, and so early in the morning um, we were going down to get some pictures from Singing Beach, you know, some sunrise pictures, and instead it was these turkeys that were like hanging out like <laughs> right by Masconomo Park, it which was, you know, <laughs> which by the, the way I should day. say it's right next to where, and I hate to you know, because you're going to ask me something, but it's actually right next to where, and this was a very popular story this week. I know we're not going to really talk about it, but, <laughs> but I guess um, we are. <laughs> Greg Fetterspiel in his column talked about this program that it's part of a state grant uh, for economic development that Manchester is going to have a skating rink that is Stop not it. weather dependent at to, um, Masconomo Park in March. What? Yeah, you can skate on it. It doesn't, it doesn't <gasps> melt. It's, it's a very... Interesting. As we get closer to this, <laughs> let's get into the technology. Huge news. You heard it. But it was like an $80,000 grant to essentially create an event that would draw people to Manchester during the off season ah. for businesses. It's sort of a way to stimulate interest in business and get people to come into town during January, February, and March this when it's quieter for retailers. So it's a really fantastic program. And part of that 80 grand is and the town came up with this idea. I think Tiffany Marletta led the charge. And okay. they actually purchased these panels that can be made into a rink. And apparently it's going to be a tradition every year, which is lovely. This is great. And the view is going to be spectacular. Yeah. You'll right be able by to where out. those turkeys are. Right. You'll, see, you'll see this enormous group of turkeys. And guess what? If the weather is like 50 <laughs> degrees, they could you could still skate. You can still skate, right? Right, because none of us are going to be skiing anymore. It'll be like we're in about. California where they have that's, the faux winter, faux right. Christmas. You that's know, right. Winter, holiday. Christmas. <laughs> I think so. What? Okay, and we're really right, so we're really we're in the weeds. The paper, really. We are going to go through the paper. But what I love is um, one of the things I noticed when I first moved here is there is always a turkey crossing the road. Like nine times out of ten, that you drive to Singing Beach. Yeah. There's by the booth house. There's that one turkey oh, yes, yes. that you always encounter. So it lives on Masconomo Street on the other side, oh, going does. towards Old Neck Road. And by the way, we're talking about the lead picture in the paper this week. I did, I, I, did, I I say, did that? say that. Okay, I actually, good. in a rare moment Sorry, of I including, 
important detail. Like I pulled right. us down the rabbit hole. Here there. we go. The turkey hole. We're coming back out. <laughs> so could you fill me in a little bit on the town notebook this week? Because this is what oh, I'm Oh yeah, we'll go through it quickly because I feel like I'm always talking. I'm always interested in municipal news. Well, it's interesting, especially <laughs> here. And I think there are some interesting things. There this are week. some really big things coming up on the horizon. Think big things last week. As a matter of fact, a member of the school, uh, the select board came up to me in the supermarket this past weekend and said <laughs> that the finance committee was upset that they were scooped about Ooh. the school budget by the Manchester Cricket. I love that. Fantastic. But yes, uh, that was the lead kind of story last week. The school district finalized its budget. The school committee okay. finalized the budget. It's been months and months in coming. And it's important because it's roughly half of each town's budget. Essex, the town of Essex and town yeah, of Manchester. It's, it's a big, big, I think it's the biggest line item in both towns. But anyway, it's $30,236,000 basically is what they approved. It really was a difference, a very small difference between you know, the runner-up, the alternate option B, which was slightly lower, and option A, which was the lower one was level, what they call level services. But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is they're going to have to go for a Proposition 2.5 override in Essex at the town meeting in May for voters to pass. They will not have to go through an override in Manchester, thank God. But that's because the assessment's lower in Manchester now. Uh, and I had a really good talk with Ben Buttrick, who is the co-chair of the Essex Finance Committee, and he's put so much work into this over the last couple of years, and he's very confident with how they're going to approach the voters in Essex. They're going to ask for an override that's not going to be an override for a year's budget. Okay. They're asking for a three consecutive years so that they can take care of three years in one, which is very, very, oh, that's smart. very smart. It's going yeah. to translate to about $450 per average household in increased taxes, which is doable. Manageable. And basically, he's looking on the other side of that to be a big correction, a fundamental correction in the financing of school districts, which have really become across the state unsustainable. Imagine this. I mean, we're talking, we're looking at Essex was, I think, up, their assessment was up this year, I think 8%. Oh, or, God. I mean, the average uh, between the two districts was 6.9%. And yes, Essex's was 8.96%. So it's closer to 9% up. Wow. Now, imagine we live in a state with Proposition 2.5. If your expenses by a municipality go up more than 2.5%, you have to, by law, go to the voters and ask for an override, right? Right. How do you live in a world where a school budget goes up 8.96% for your people? What does that mean for your police department? What does it mean for your town employees? What does it mean for the library? Like it means it's got incredible disruptive power. And by the way, you can look at the school district and say, hey, get your house in order. No, it's, they've got these, you know, obligations that are undo. You cannot ignore them. I'll give you an example. Health insurance premiums go up double digits regularly. Regularly. They've been doing that for quite a while. Okay. How do you reconcile that when you have all these employees that, uh, current employees and retired employees in the school system. I mean, just that alone is, is you know, it's, it's hard. Right. It's a big, big thing. Here's the good news, if there is good news. <laughs> really, Erica. But, you know, Pam Bodwin, who's the superintendent of the school district, mm-hmm. the Manchester Essex School District, she almost sounded sanguine at the end of the meeting, which was very surprising considering <laughs> the process, she, the meat grinder anything. they just yeah. went through in the last four months. And I'm thinking, wow, she mm. sounds kind of, not upbeat, but she just sounded kind of like, guardedly optimistic. It's going to be okay. And she said, listen, this is a reset. 
it's required every seven or so years. Once the reset happens, the fever will have broken. But she also said, this is not something that is shared. She said 50% of school districts that are like Manchester are going for an override in the state. This is by no means uh, unique to Manchester and Essex. And she really does believe that there's good signals coming from the state that they're going to actually address this through aid. Okay. Through aid, okay. so which you know, does seem now, like does Manchester and Essex, which is a very wealthy, wealthy district, do, are, should they be the first in line with their tin can, you know, Good their God. tin cup, no. you know, going give me some more money? Mm. Maybe not, but the truth is, it's unsustainable, and if something is unsustainable, it has to be addressed. Absolutely. Good. Well, it sounds like there will that be was time a little longer that, than but... you probably meant. <laughs> Sorry, it's but important, there you go. And we need to know. Yeah, no, that's yeah. great information. One and other big thing that happened, and I won't yes, spend a lot of time on please. it, is um, the Manchester Essex Affordable Housing Trust and the Manchester Housing Authority. We've talked about this many times. About Starting about two years ago, they came up with a very, very well-thought-out plan with a, a consultant who specializes in these things that they hired to essentially look at the three properties with subsidized housing. It's like the extreme version of affordable housing, right? You right. have affordable housing, which means you get a little break. Exactly. Subsidized it's... housing is your low income, and you actually only pay a portion of your income. Correct. So if you only make $14,000 a year by law, they cannot charge you more than like $150 a yes. month in rent. Yes. So that's the world we're talking about. It's... And for us, that means senior citizens. That means people on a fixed income, they make twenty five grand per household and right. social security, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they don't have a lot of savings. So we're talking the Plains, Newport Park, which is on Pine Street. Right. Plains is off of Old Essex Road. Yes. And then uh, Loading Place Road has some townhouses. Not a lot of oh, them, but they I do. They have, um, I think there are six of them there. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Maybe eight. But it's not a lot, but they're townhouses. They're better served for families. Okay. Right? Uh, so they came up with a plan to actually renovate these because many of these haven't been renovated oh, since the this. 70s, you know, yes. 70s, 80s, 90s. They just get these time. little band-aids, you right. know, uh, yes. attachment. Plus, uh, I love the fact that uh, Newport Park is townhouses. That was like state-of-the-art in the 70s when it was built. But what if you're in a wheelchair? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. It's a little bit of a non-starter. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I hate to okay, laugh so about it, but it's true. They need, they, there's fundamental problems and yeah. uh, challenges. So they came up with this whole grand plan that really was going to expand housing at these places. They were going to add 90 units across four properties. Right. Now, remember I mentioned three properties, right? Right. Okay. There was a fourth. Ah. The fourth was on Pleasant Street. It's the DPW site, which is where all the trucks go and the DPW garage. It's in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Yeah. It really doesn't um, work with its surroundings, but Nobody complains because it's always been there. It's right. kind of like, uh, you know, as uh, Christine Delisio from the planning board said, it's the devil we know. <laughs> so anyway, so it's it's essentially, and it also backs up to wetlands. So you can imagine the pan grease from the 70s, you know, it's oh, like, no, nice. you know, anyway, <laughs> whatever. That was a site that they were going to put housing on. Mm-hmm. That was going to be market rate housing. It's going to be 30 or so, 20 to 30 units of market rate housing. And what they were going to do is bundle this partner with a developer, but they use, this is where this consultant came in. There is a whole panoply of complicated, intricate, I guess I would call it, tax schemes at the federal level and the state level, which incentivize people to do affordable housing. I know. And as a result, it's very hard to work through it. It's very complicated. But they came up with this bundle that said, here it is. 
these three places, you're going to renovate the 86 units that are across the three. Then you're going to add another 90 units across four properties. So we're going to expand housing. We're going to fix our current housing. And you're going to get a parcel that'll pay for the whole thing. And fantastic. Well, it is fantastic <laughs> until they put out the RFP in the fall and nobody responded. Not one developer responded. Because of the hassle factor. I think I listen, it's a mystery really. Let's um, not opine on on uh right, why. on why. But here it is. The Affordable Housing Trust went to the select board last week and they said, I think we need to remove the Pleasant Street property. It's an unknown. Okay. Because they'd have to go to a town vote to get it moved. It's it's not guaranteed. And so why would a developer invest a half a million dollars in, you know, resources and work and design and all sorts of things for something that is tenuous. Right. Right? Yeah. So they're not going to do it. Okay. They didn't do it, I guess. Okay. So they're going to remove, they came out with removing Pleasant Street. So okay. it leaves the question, wait a minute, doesn't that, isn't this like a game of Jenga where if you remove that one critical block, everything comes down because it all depended upon the, the profit for the developer and the incentive was all in that one parcel. Right. And... Chris Olney from the Affordable Housing Trust, who is um, in his professional life, actually works in public-private real estate finance of some sort. I've never been able to figure out that that's because it's, it's way beyond my pay grade. But he's sort of an expert. He's a real resource on the Affordable Housing Trust. And he said, listen, things in the last year, year and a half have really changed dramatically at the federal level especially and at the state level about affordable housing. And there are more programs now. Okay. And he said, I think this is going to be okay if we remove it, which was really, really Great. interesting. That is. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, we'll I promised you that would be short and it wasn't. <laughs> it never is, but that's, there's a lot of information and you have it all at your fingertips. All but right, so yes. I look forward to seeing how that plays it's out. Interesting. I think this is yeah. important and I hope yeah. it finds its way through because God knows we need it. All right. Let's do something lighter, well, let's shall we? Let's do something lighter. So I, I'm noticing here that our, our wonderful... Is he the president of the Historical Society, Robert no. Booth? What is he? These Matt Genta is the president okay. of the uh, Manchester uh, Historical, Historical Museum. Museum? It's Robert Booth, Booth is the executor executive. and curator okay. of the museum. Our dear Robert Booth has given us a little gift here of Hooper's Store Ransacked on the 21st of July, 1813. And then we have this wonderful sort of detailed account of how a truck backed up and all of the beautiful cloths in Ms. Hooper's dry goods store were whisked away and her pocketbook as well and I just absolutely love this little slice of and of all things crime in the town of Manchester <laughs> a, Who braze, knew? a brazen crime by the way brazen it's thrilling yeah yes. keep in mind that um Nabby Natty Hooper's uh store dry goods store was in the middle of town right yeah right in the middle the heart center. of downtown and also for those who don't know Abigail Hooper Trask Nabby Hooper was when she died in her nineties was the richest woman in Manchester. Yeah. And she and actually was an entrepreneur who became successful in that way without inheriting anything from a husband. Yes. Which was unheard of. They have, there's actually a lot of speculation that she is the first true female entrepreneur in America where she became essentially a multimillionaire, you know, many times over by working hard. She started as a milliner in her teens and then ended up becoming a banker, an attorney, and having two dry goods stores that sold silks from all over the world. So this is 
this theft. And I love the fact that they included in that piece the actual classified ad that ran in the paper. Yes, it's uh, right here. Reward. Oh, it was I love reward. It. Yeah, w- there is definitely a reward. My, There's a reward uh, my, uh, of $50. Here, no, I'm going to tell you, this is hilarious. <laughs> Matt Genta pointed this out, and he's, of course, again, the president of the museum. She listed everything that was stolen. They included silks and, you know, oh, yeah. sundries and all sorts of things. And she said, you know, um, and it included $30, $30 in cash they stole too, which had to have been a good amount of money at yes. the time. But I couldn't help but note um, that Matt showed me that the reward was $50. <laughs> assuming <laughs> assuming she got 30 out of it. I guess that means she's willing to give 20 <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Big deal. Thank go you. Go Nabby. Yeah, she was you, a, Nabby. She, she was, was a successful a hardcore business because she was hardcore <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> we love her. Fantastic. Anyways, so yes. yes. That was uh, hopefully we'll be learning more about her. Yeah. The, People love the, the coming... history. Whenever we yes. do things in, about history, my theory is that readers, they love the history pieces we do because it really pulls them into the community. It, it actually enfranchises them. It, it, ingra- it integrates them. Completely. They, it makes them feel like, it connects them. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Connect. Yeah. <laughs> it connects it them in the community. They love it. Yeah. And plus it's I a fun them. story. They're so. fun. Robert does a great job of giving it to us. And yes, and it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. So bravo. So moving along, we have, I see a piece from our beloved Hannah Harlow. She is the bookshop of Beverly Farms. Yep, she's and the owner of the bookshop She's the of owner, Farms. and she also has her own podcast, actually, if any of you want to tune into yeah. her webpage um, or her website. And she and her brother are publishers. They're small, they have a yes. small imprint. Yes. And they publish children's books and yeah. youth, which is really lovely. And they talk about all kinds of things. They're, they're yeah. fantastic. So, But this week, she has given us a piece on mysteries. I never, honestly, I don't read mysteries. Mysteries? Well, I'll tell you, you are on the outside of the market. Clearly. That's because <laughs> mysteries are huge. I, I don't see why I don't. I just huge. don't. But these all look really... Do you I'll read I'll give you mysteries? an example. Hank, Hank Philippi <laughs> Ryan is a kind of beloved, local, um, long-time newscaster. She had a series on Channel 5, I believe it was, and please forgive me if it wasn't Channel 5. <laughs> but Erica. she she did like an investigative piece where she would do consumer reports kind of thing, gotcha okay. segments on, okay. um, you know, getting the real deal on something. She was incredibly popular, and she had that segment for maybe 25 years, I'm going to say, right? Okay. She is very sharp. She became a mystery writer. She's written probably 16 books now. My guess, she's more successful as a mystery writer than she ever was as a Boston, very successful news reporter, network really? news reporter. Isn't that interesting? I think that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's So it's marvelous. big. So it is. No, it's... And she I has some great suggestions. I mean... Oh, Hannah's the best. And Hannah is a great resource. If you, you know ever what? need anything, you just go in there and she'll set you straight. You know what? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. I actually have to buy a book, a book of poetry, but I was just this morning thinking about how much I was looking forward to going to, in fact, in this case, to Hannah, the bookshop and having the experience. Yeah of buying a book it's a small thing but it's important and it's awesome and, and it's where the money is in publishing it's it, where the money is yeah. it's not in poetry <laughs> no hey now so know, yes check out true, <laughs> check it's, out it's great the uh yeah so check out the mysteries and then the, uh, one of the books she recommended is the new book by brett easton ellis from less, less than, than zero, zero and american psycho and american psycho and he's come out with this book apparently it's getting a lot of uh press attention i'm not sure it's getting 
super positive well, reviews. He has a tough road. He's, he's, you know, he's a particular taste. But I, I loved Less Than Zero. I made it through American Psycho. It's one of those things. I Bennington College. Read, Alumni exactly. of great fame. Yes. And then who's the, um, he's sort of a contemporary of Donna Tartt. Or mm-hmm. Donna, yeah. The, and Jason the Goldfinch. And, and Jay McInerney. And, yeah, that McInerney, whole sort that of whole... like private school kids yeah. that yeah, yeah, kill yeah. each other yeah. genre. <laughs> Okay. Anyhow, so that is a fantastic lead into Valentine's Day. Yes. I mean, Valentine's Day has passed, but we had our, um, we had a, a sweet little, I, like, I gotta say, it's, it's like one of the things I love is these little shopping guides that we do. We do them semi-occasionally during the winter months, and right. then um, we go all out in the summer because there's so many things that are fun and people are out and about more. But Valentine's Day, we had some great gift ideas for people yes. who are super local. We hope you all had a nice we, Valentine's Day and perhaps received one which of these fav- super local I mean, gifts. my favorite was the hot honey uh, caramel. Okay, say that from again. Hot, <laughs> hot honey caramel. You heard from, it. From uh, Turtle Alley. Oh my from God. Hallie up in uh, Turtle Haley up in Turtle Alley. And the picture, which hopefully you all saw, is d- irresistible. I it's need to It's gorgeous. I didn't have any of these for yeah. Then we had day, this incredible so. diamond ring. I mean, an <laughs> emerald cut diamond ring from Gladstone. Price it's, upon request. Uh, should we even guess? <laughs> but it's it's very modern. I mean, it's beautiful. And beautiful. I I actually yes. Elaine Souza. She's amazing. Okay. And a beautiful painting by Sarah Rodier that's gorgeous. Which I really love. And of course, the night garden earrings from um, oh, We Dream in Color. Friends and local jeweler and just an extraordinary human. She's fantastic. And the the things I have from it, her, I wear. I yeah. love. And these are And these are just earrings. gorgeous turquoise with flowered appliques. It's yeah. an enameled brass, five inches long earrings. <laughs> they're just gorgeous. They're yeah. a real statement piece, but they're so stunning. Yes. And of course, some beautiful flowers from Chapman's Greenhouse, yes. which, which is my favorite thing that Col- Colleen Malik from, I'm not sure I should what? say this, Uh-oh. but I'm going to say it then anyway. Then you have to say it. I ran across Colleen Malik, who is the owner, of course, of, of um, Chapman's over okay. in Beverly Farms. And she's so lighthearted and easy. And you know what I mean? Nothing's ever like, oh, bad problem. Oh, you know what I mean? Nice. She's I'll just have to a, go in she's a bright presence. Let's call her that. Super. And so it's with that in mind that I said to her, y'all ready for uh, Valentine's Day? <laughs> How's it and going? she looks up at me and she said, can you ever be men- ready? <laughs> After all, it's men I'm dealing with. <laughs> she goes... Yeah, enough said. <laughs> they, I guess they all come in at the last minute. They, I just spoke with, uh, yes, someone that was going in at the last minute and yeah. it all worked out. But I have also heard that an interesting problem these days is that a lot of the younger gentlemen that may be going in to buy flowers for their special someone, they want it to be anonymous, which can oh. create an interesting situation when the florist gets a call from the recipient and says, can you describe the person they're trying to like suss out? I did perhaps not know that's which a thing. One of their people in their lives sent the flowers. Yeah, this is a common problem. So let me tell you, I don't mind that that's a problem, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, because I think we have a crisis with our youth across the country where everything is so digital. And uh, digital communication, digital dating. And it's not youth. It's like, it's like, it's like youth everyone. as in under 40. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, yeah. I think that, um, and I love the fact that mm. just knowing that Valentine's is still a thing. Yes. Even if it's anonymous. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. I think that's lovely. I do too. And, you know, 
And who doesn't just love to get flowers? So, well, happy. I hope everyone had a very happy Valentine's I think Day. I just gave you a segue for the youth. <laughs> the youths of this world. Thank you, Erica. Because I'm Moving looking at on. what you're looking at, and I know yes. where you're going next. So we have here, um, you all saw in the paper, something new. And it is um, coming from the debate team at the Manchester Essex Regional High School, which throughout history or in the past has been a an incredibly strong program, having done very well. And it was founded by Tim Averill and brought along for years and years and years. And in fact, Erica, your husband was a student at the yeah. time when he arrived at Manchester Essex. I think my husband, when he talks about, and my husband's 64 years old. <laughs> Sorry, Rusty. <laughs> when my husband talks about Tim Averill, it's like he's a 14-year-old talking oh. about him. Because he was 14 and Tim Averill came as a recent graduate school graduate from Yale. And he came to the school at 24. So... Literally, if you were four, no, I think he was like maybe 15 or 16, but he just looked up to, they right. all looked up to yeah. him and he started the debate team that ended up, and you're, you know, you're being kind. It was top ranked in the United States of America for decades. Yeah. It was a seminal program. Mm. And then it kind of started to it atrophy. A and a lot of it is because maybe Tim left and yeah. he was, it was so associated with him, but he's come back, which is amazing. But I, I, I'll tell you this just to, this is how important this kind of program is. In my husband's class, he had, and I've, I think we've talked about this before, it was my husband and he had a crew of friends, a crew of about, you know, like 10 kids he was really tight with, which mm -hmm. is, of course, you know, typical. And do you know that of like the seven or eight kids that he was, you know, super tight with, they all went to top schools. And a lot of it is because of the debate program. Wow. So one went to Yale, you know, went to, went to MIT, Princeton was, was my husband. I mean, they all went to these top, top schools. That year, the, um, the not the, val yeah, the valedictorian went to Georgetown. I mean, they just like these, and, and by the way, you're talking about a class of 100 kids, yeah. a little over 100 kids. The statistics on that are mind-blowing, and it shows you how important debate is. Yeah. And by the way, I think, and I'm passionate about it because I think civility is yes. is so sadly needed today, and everyone Completely. would agree with, with that. And about you can disagree with somebody in an, in an intense way, but as long as you realize that you both have the same goal, that you just want to learn something and get to the truth, is that shouldn't that bind you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> as opposed respect. to I hate you. You're a horrific human being, and you yeah, should. Yeah, I will never change my mind. And yes, 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 you yeah. should not exist. That idea of opening yourself up to being respectful of someone else's opinion, no matter how much you disagree, and I've always held this: you need to always be willing to change your mind. Oh yeah, you always have to go into it really, truly open. Can't you to ever the tell idea when somebody's not going to change their mind, and you're talking to them? It sucks talking to somebody who isn't going to change their mind. Completely. That's you like stop. a wall of steel. Yeah. It just, I mean, it's, it's nice to have a little give. Show me a little give. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have but a lot anyway, of give here. So we fact, have a new thing yes. called point counterpoint. I, I think I've buried this for you. You were starting that this is going to be a regular feature. Yeah, called it's a regular point feature. Counterpoint. Point counterpoint. And it's going to be a different issue that the debate team takes up. And you have one arguing for a big topic or an issue or an event, maybe. I don't mm -hmm. know. They're going to decide, right? They decide. And then somebody else against it? Yeah. And what's great is that the two people that participate, you know, again, like any good debate tournament, they have to be able to argue both sides. So you have yeah. to be able to argue for something you may or may not believe in. And this week we had, or they'll. How healthy is that? 
that. We should have to do that, by the way. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't appreciate that. That you, if you don't agree oh. with something in debate, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You it's, have to argue something, even if you're personally hostile to the idea. What a great exercise and what a great way to kind of be, again, a little more open to what's lying on the other side. That's, right. that's what lawyers are supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. Anyhow. <laughs> I think that, wow. <laughs> whoo, that happened. So this, yes, I enjoyed meeting this so much. And the, the, the two students that, that worked on this, yep. in full disclosure, one of them happens to be my daughter. Yep. Um, Stella. Stella, who was selected by the debate program. But So Stella and Gwen Berger did a great job of presenting us with both sides of the right to work laws. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, the thing I love about this is it's something you think about, but you don't think about in depth like this. Really, I think people think sides. about it less and less. They don't, they think, oh, labor unions, they're not relevant anymore. Completely. And Be, so, yes. with the advent of Silicon Valley and, like, and startup yeah, mentalities all, all and, and startup, you know, they, no. they, people have thought, oh, they're not necessary anymore. We've moved beyond the need of labor unions. And guess what? Not necessarily. Maybe not. So maybe not. It's yes, interesting. You can see what you think about it. Yeah. And maybe you already know. Um, so, and there's also this wonderful Erica, you found this great sort of infographic sort of walking us through states yeah. that have enacted new right to work legislation. Yeah. That came from Axios media. Thank you. Axios media. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and one thing I want to note is that actually we have encouraged readers to kind of let us know yeah. where they fall on this or even as Tim Averill pointed out, or Joan McWhorter, the wonderful teacher that is really doing the heavy lifting at the school who's a teacher, is if you want to write in, if you have expertise, if there's something you know, these are coming out at the beginning of the month before the debate team goes to a tournament to debate this topic. So if there's something you think you can offer, you could help them do a better job of making their case before they head out, which they're actually doing this weekend. Yeah. I so. think people will start to warm up to it over time, but I really hope that people write in I hope so too. a letter to the editor or write back to the kids and say, listen, I have experience with this. Here's some examples that you of things, of issues that you haven't thought of. Absolutely. Um, and it just increases the dialogue, which is, of course, what we all want. Right? Which is why we love our community papers. All right. We should probably wrap it up, I see, but I can't help but say... One of my favorite things in the paper is this amazing Paige Donahue, who is the mother of a, a runner here at Manchester Essex Regional High School, took a phenomenal photo of yeah. our Jack Newton racing in the what were they? Cape Ann League. Cape Ann League. The Cape Ann League finals at the New Balance. The New Ballot Center, which is incredible. Yeah, I'm in sure. Boston. Yes. And yeah. so so this was wonderful. They all did very well. Jack Newton, I know, just has been a force of nature this year for the team. But great photo from a, a parent. From so we're very grateful for that. I feel it's funny because this doesn't happen very often. This edition that we just went through, it almost was like the school edition. <laughs> we had yeah. so many school-related <laughs> right? and district-related stories, whether it was debate or sports or the budget or like there were a lot of things. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So it was yeah. a good paper. We hope that you enjoyed it. And I think that's it. Is there anything I've missed, Erica? No, I guess now you don't need to read the paper. <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. It was good. It was a nice week. It was nice. Good. And I love talking to you. Same. Let's, let's meet back here next week. <laughs> All right. Thank awesome. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidecar. To hear more Cape Ann stories like these, subscribe to the Sidecar podcast from thecricket.com on your favorite podcasting platform.